everyone. Welcome to the Farm Commons podcast, where we explore timely and important legal issues and questions facing the farming community today. For community-based farms with a focus on sustainability, managing legal risks is especially important as many innovative farm enterprises like community-supported agriculture programs, on-farm suppers, and gardening classes, and unique arrangements for land access and employment do not fit neatly into our legal system, leading to vulnerability. But through legal education, we can cultivate greater resilience for your farm business so that you can continue to grow in ways that best support you, your relationships, and your community. At Farm Commons, we'll show you why and how. Thanks for tuning in. Hey everyone, welcome to the Farm Commons podcast. This is Eva here. I'm the Farmer and Partner Development Manager and I am so excited about our episode for today because I'm here with our Associate Director, Erin Hannum, and she is based in Switzerland. Um, so it's really a treat to be with you here today. Hey Erin. Hey Eva, it's also a huge treat to be here with you today as well. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, today we're, we'll be talking about um, kind of a very different topic than than what we usually discuss on our podcast and really at Farm Commons um, on our website. And, uh, you know, we spend so much time talking about risk management and legal tools as to how to be more resilient on the farm. Um, but really, you know, when we're when we're using those tools, um, there's a lot of conversations that are involved with landlords, with business partners. And so today's episode is tips for tough conversation. That's what we'll be talking about. Um, and we're hoping to make this kind of a series going forward. So today is um, kind of one tip. <laughs> and uh, today's tip is um, about four questions to ask before having a tough conversation. Um, and so really uh, in risk management on the farm, we're, our goal is to cultivate healthy relationships um, as that's really the key to building a legally resilient farm business. And so like I was saying, whether it's with your business partner, whether that's a romantic partner or a friend or, you know, purely, purely a business partner, your landlord, your employer, your wholesaler or customer, um, your, your farm business really generally will have a better chance at flourishing and everyone um, is more likely to be happy when folks are getting along. Um, and so a, a large part of that, of getting along is to talk about, you know, what, what happens when things go wrong <laughs> and to be prepared for that. So I guess, Erin, I'd love to start off just by asking you, like, what, what does a healthy relationship mean to you? Yeah, uh, for me, a healthy relationship, it really depends on an intention to connect authentically uh, with the other person. And it's when both people can really step into each other's shoes and see from the other person's eyes and listen empathetically and really aspire to reach a shared understanding so that they can build that mutual trust and collaboration and connection and to really um, tune into each other's needs and help support and foster um, their aspirations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that, the tuning in, and I think to tune in to each other's needs does require that, that deep listening and, like, being willing to hear the other person without necessarily running through the agenda of, like, oh, what is it that I have to get through? Like, oh, I got to talk about irrigation and the length of the lease, or got to talk about, you know, when 
CSA pickup day is. Um, and I think it can be really hard to step away from like that agenda of things we want to get through and to just pause and listen to what the other person says. But um, for me, a healthy relationship is where I feel like at least for me, I can trust that the things that I want to cover will happen, but I need to hear, really hear the other person. And so I th that piece about both parties being heard, um, mm -hmm. I think really creates healthy boundaries and, and he a healthy relationship. Absolutely. But, you know, all that's easier <laughs> said than done. So how do we get there, I think, is the next big question. And at Farm Commons, we often encourage farmers to have tough conversations to either prevent or resolve a conflict that might be in process in our relationships, um, but especially, especially before entering into an agreement. Um, and many of us really tend to shy away from those tough conversations because we might worry I mean, you know, when we talk about a tough conversation, like who wants to wake up on a Saturday morning? Ooh, I'm going to go have a tough conversation. <laughs> you know, that's not, not something that sounds fun, but it's so important for growth. And um, other times some people just jump into it like, you know, let's get this over with and can end up, you know, actually botching the whole thing up. Um, so I would love to hear from you, Erin, what your perspective is on how we can better approach tough conversations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we all carry histories and um, even intergenerational histories of the ways that we communicate and the ways that we kind of habitually react to um, challenging situations and feelings and emotions come in around fear and anger and all of these things. And it can be really challenging to, to navigate that all. So for me, I feel as though the best approach um, to, to have conversations is through an intention to, to communicate more intentionally. And through that intention is also to really um, take some time for some introspection to really understand more deeply sort of how we also feel ourselves and, and what we really want to say and what we really want to express and um, what really matters to us. Uh, so uh, communi compassionate communication is actually one technique that, um, that is designed to help us do that. Um, also known as nonviolent communication or NVC. Um, it was uh, developed um, by Marshall Rosenberg in the 1960s and it's since been used really throughout the world to help um, uh, individuals as well as communities and uh, societies and even countries um, come to resolution around um, really difficult situations and conflicts. Um, but uh, compassionate communication, it's, it's really a roadmap that helps guide us into identifying uh, why we want what we want um, and then to be able to express that to the other person in a way that they can really hear it without shutting down or getting defensive and, and getting into that sort of reactive mode. Um, um, and so when we're able to communicate compassionately, and it also, um, of course, includes that, that deep uh, listening, um, when that happens, um, the people in the relationship really have a better chance at finding creative solutions uh, so that they can both meet um, each other's needs and aspirations in their relationship. 
And then that's actually where agreements come into play. So legal agreements uh, that result from a process of compassionate communication uh, can help solidify these creative solutions or strategies that have evolved out of a really authentic shared understanding. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'd love to just take a step back and ask what, how, like, how did you find on um, nonviolent communication or compassionate communication? Like when, when did you first encounter this model? I feel like the first time I encountered NBC was when I was taking an experienced practitioner's um, course in, um, in mindfulness meditation and my mindfulness teacher, uh, Dori Langevin, she presented the NBC model to us and um, it was a group of about six of us and um, we are all also very involved in social activism and environmental activism and um, uh, most of the people in the course were uh, women in their 60s and 70s and um, I just felt like it was something that just resonated so deeply for me and we were all able to practice it in our personal situations but also how we felt about the state of the world and it really lent me into a deeper um, deeper feeling of empathy and understanding. Um, and I've since then been able to integrate it into my personal relationships and also um, just even like my social and political <laughs> uh, responses and reactions as well. So it's really helpful for me in, in navigating the, these trying and challenging times in our world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Such a powerful framework for approaching other people, whether it's family, friends, or community members, or just like responding to a news piece these days, you know, read a scrolling through and getting a little bit inflamed and then just kind of like taking a pause and um, listening to like, you know, what what might be coming up in my mind. It's almost like a tool for talking to yourself as well, not being violent towards yourself and sharing compassion with yourself, which um, I think is a great way to prepare for having uh, hard conversations with anybody else, your, your farm business partners, but just like start with yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think all too often in our society, we've sort of um, really put a, a emphasis and value on um, rational thinking and reason um, and we've sort of discounted um, the importance of feelings and emotions and feelings and emotions, I think, are, are their information. And so we have to, to be with those to uh, our, our own feelings and to have a better understanding of, of why we feel the way we do. And there's these underlying core needs that are involved there. And the better that we can do that, um, I feel the more we can actually build empathy, which is really a true sense of connection of our, of our humanity and shared understanding with, with each other. And that's how we're gonna build, um, you know, connection and um, a resolution to so much conflict and diversity in our world. In our, in our world. Yeah, I would agree with that. And you may not think about it, but I mean, just speaking of myself, but paperwork can be empathetic, you know? Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah, and that's what, you know, it's, as I was saying earlier, you know, these, these legal agreements that are built off of this process of compassionate communication can really be this way that we um, really open our minds to a variety of different solutions that we may not have even thought of. And so for me, I, what I love so much about Farm Commons, too, is that we're open to to actually 
giving back the power to farmers to create their own agreements and to and to come up with these co-create these solutions for themselves and strategies. Um, it's it's definitely a process, but if we simply start with a boilerplate agreement or a template and we don't even have tough conversations about the things that really matter to us, then we're limiting that relationship's potential. Um, mm -hmm. And if we if we actually have tough conversations without an intention to connect authentically, um, we and we tend to perpetuate our, our habitual patterns or assumptions or our reactive behaviors. And so we too are limiting our behavior, I mean, our, our potential, right? We, we too are limiting our potential. And this is why uh, at Farm Commons, we really encourage farmers to tune into what really matters to them and then to engage in these tough conversations skillfully. Uh, and then once that process uh, is unfolds, then to draft a written agreement that is unique to their situation. Um, and not only does this then help prevent conflict and misunderstanding, this process also really waters the seeds of the full potential of that relationship. Yeah, I feel so energized just like hearing you describe <laughs> all of the, <laughs> the opportunity and having a conversation with the, you know, whether it's like, let's talk about a land lease with a farmer and a landlord and like really getting on the table, you know, what what needs am I trying to meet from both the landlord and the farmer? And like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I have an idea of how we can meet your need farmer this way and then vice versa. Oh, interesting. I have an idea how we can meet your need landlord this way. And then really having that conversation and then memorializing it down on paper renders such a different result than working, you know, with an attorney at the get-go, you know, at the, you know, before even having that conversation. Yes, of course, there's, there's powerful and important roles for attorneys in, in the land leasing process, but I would say you don't outsource that, that creative, empowering conversation to an attorney's office. Like there's so much power, like you were saying, in giving back the knowledge to people like you can actually talk and come to these creative arrangements that will render resolutions. And then, yeah, sure, once you get it down on paper, take it to an attorney for, for review and make sure um, you, you have your basis covered legally. But um, yeah, those conversations are, can be so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's so unfortunate how the evolution of our, of our, um, our litigious and legal world these days seems as that it's just really setting us up for this um, this myth that it's like a zero-sum game and there's only so much to be divided apart and who's going to get more and it's like this um, this kind of fight in a way um, and it just breeds divisiveness and separation and I think that if we can really instead come to it with an open mind to this relationships and realize that actually we all can you know have our needs met and then some we can build co-creatively and collaboratively to um you know create abundance in a way <laughs> it's, it's very ideal and lofty but i do feel as though uh it's a bit of a tide turning in our in our idea and perspective and vision of of what the law can do for us yeah mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, well, I know our listeners are probably at this point just on the edge of their seats. Being like, <laughs> Oh, I want to schedule that conversation with my business partner and my landlord. And I'm, I'm so excited about the creative potential that these conversations have towards meeting my needs. And so y'all told me about these four questions I need to ask myself. <laughs> so right. Aaron, why don't, is it okay if we touch uh, or not touch, let's go, go through those questions. Does that sound good? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Why don't you start with the, the first one, um, or maybe we just start by saying what they all are. So everyone kind of has an idea, and <laughs> <laughs> some visibility in terms of what we're getting ourselves into. So uh, the first question is, what is my intention? Um, the second one is, what needs am I trying to meet? The third is, what do I want the other person to know or understand? And the fourth is, how can I say it in a way they're most likely to be able to hear it? So Eva, do you want to start with the first one? Uh, what yeah. is my intention? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first, I love this question. <laughs> <laughs> what is my intention? It, it makes me think of this saying my dad would always share with me when I was younger. Um, and it's, you need to have gas in the tank for the engine to run. And so in thinking about an intention for a conversation, you know, what's my intention and in going into this conversation, I think of that as like the fuel for motivating me into having um, dialogue with the other person. And so like, what, what values am I holding and, um, and wanting to talk to this person? You know, is it, um, do do I intend to connect with them? Do I intend to clarify some sense of confusion between us? Is it, um, am I intending to celebrate something the other person did? Am I intending to um, let the other person know that maybe they've hurt me or that they've made me feel uncomfortable or that they've made me feel really good and I wanna share gratitude with them. And so I think all of that, um, all of those are options uh, for the intention or the fuel that we can bring to conversations. And not to say there's only one, you could, you know, there might be many different intentions. And if, if I know myself, I tend to intend a lot of things at once <laughs> and therefore get overwhelmed. So I sometimes find it's, it's really helpful to write down my intentions on a piece of paper, or like almost draft it out, even like a sticky note, you know, I intend to sh share gratitude. I intend to let the other person know that I feel uncomfortable. Like if those are two things that I need to convey in a single conversation, those are two competing, very opposite things. And so that, that takes some um, strategy, but just identifying what your intentions are, I think is, is um, a really powerful place to start and will best position you um, to map out the rest of how your conversation might go. Um, following the next question, Erin, which is, what needs am I trying to meet? Yeah, and before I get into that, I just want to say that I really love what your, what your father um, taught you about the fuel. And I think it is so important to really think about that. And I mean, we need, we need that fuel for our, our relationship to, um, you know, get somewhere, I suppose. I think bringing it, I was just thought to my mind when, um, when you mentioned that too, and bringing it into a farm analogy, it's also sort of like thinking about what are the seeds that we want to plant for this, mm -hmm. this relationship to flourish? And what are the seeds that we want to water? Um, so you're like the intention in a way is like planting these seeds. And I think it's really beautiful to think about 
what you said too, is writing down. And like, if we can really start every relationship um, or even continue and uh, our relationship to really um, take some time to contemplate and to write down those intentions of this relationship and, and what do we really want to nurture and nourish in this relationship, um, um, that's then how it will be fostered. So thank you for those insights. Mm, yeah, you're welcome. Mm, snaps. I'm snapping. <laughs> yeah, and so um, for the next question, what needs am I trying to meet? Um, so really at the heart of uh, compassionate communication is identifying our core needs or values. And these core needs uh, are universal. And when we think of needs, sometimes we have negative connotations, like I'm needy, or I, I need this, or I want that. And I think for me, it can be helpful to shift um, the, the language a bit. Um, um, from NBC, as it was written, it was the, the word needs. But for me, it really helps to think about it as what, what are my values? Like, what do I really value here? Um, and these values, these universal values are really the motivation or root of, of all of our feelings or actions. And if we can take a step back and think and realize that every action that we take is really motivated by a core value or a core need. Um, and uh, these, these values or, or needs, um, they include the basic needs of like air, food, water, physical uh, safety, um, but they also include other things like trust, um, uh, to be understood, mutual recognition, consistency, cooperation. These are shared needs. And this is what's so beautiful about it too. These are needs that we all share. They, they connect us um, uh, through our, our humanity. All humans share these needs. Some of them resonate more with us in different times and phases of our lives or our different conditions or circumstances, but we all have these needs. Um, and so, um, and I, I mean, also bring it closer even into the workplace or for farm businesses, um, these needs can also be things like clear decision-making or I need more time, I need feedback, I need quality. So these are all like these, these core values that we, we're bringing to a relationship. Um, and we also have to think about how most conflict um, actually arises at the level of strategies. Um, and strategies are things that we want the other person to do. And so sometimes when we, we, we come to a, a conversation or we come to one of these tough conversations, we're coming with it with this intention of like, I want this person to do this. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like molding them or this like motivating factor is like, I want, how can I um, basically in a way like manipulate or how can I get them to do this? And that's really a strategy. That's not a need. I don't, I mean, you might need them to do it, but it's really coming. It's more of a strategy. So we have to ask ourselves what's deeper, what's underneath that strategy. Um, why do we want what we want? Um, and when we, when we get there and we really understand why we want what we want, um, we have a better chance to collaborate and work together to find those, creative solutions or strategies uh, to meet multiple needs that, that may be present in that relationship. So basically before um, we have a tough conversation, it's really important to, I think, take this time to really reflect what are these underlying needs? Um, what core needs are, are you trying to meet? Um, maybe for this specific scenario um, or in general for, with this relationship, what are the underlying needs that are um, sort of foundation of this relationship? Um, could it be that you're wanting to be understood or have more stability? 
uh, to have more order structure. Um, and for, for folks who are listening, who this really resonates with and are wanting to dive deeper, it can be really actually helpful to look at the list of universal needs that has been developed in this sort of NBC or compassionate communication framework. Um, and I think if you did just a basic web search of uh, NVC or compassionate communication and list of universal needs, uh, you'll be able to find one. And you can kind of go through that and sort of just tune in uh, as you're reading it, like, oh, this is, this, some, so something's here for me. And then you can kind of have a deeper understanding of what your needs are. Oh, that's a great um tip Aaron and I will actually put a link to a couple of sources for that the universal needs for NVC in the show notes so that folks can get a sense of um, what that is and maybe not get lost down the rabbit hole <laughs> on Google because I know I do that all the time yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. super um, so so Eva do you um, have anything else to say about needs or um, go ahead and dive into the, the third question I have one note on needs, and that is um, the piece that you were sharing about strategy and how oftentimes we go into a conversation being like, okay, this is the goal that I'm trying to achieve, and this is how I'm going to get there. And while that might seem like intention and conveying of, of your needs, like, it really, it's very different because the strategy really does come into play when both parties are on the same page, like both people are talking about how to go about meeting those needs. That's a strategy. The strategy is not the thing in your head per se. Um, and I know I get lost in that sometimes like, ooh, I need to go in this conversation and I need to, like, for instance, um, at least a parcel of farmland and oftentimes when there's a maintenance request that comes up I think oh I need to write this email to my landlord and just like let him know about the maintenance request and how I think it should get done versus um, letting my landlord know that there's a maintenance request and asking how can we get this done mm. um, and so it's like taking it really is like a mental taking a step back and rather than um, jumping to where you want to go, thinking about how you want to show up and like how you want to ask the question, um, which definitely takes practice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think all too often, myself included, we in our fast-paced society can fall into um, these patterns of, of treating people as, as transactions and, and um, and like, what are we going to get from this? And what can we get from this now? And, and it's, you know, but we, if we can really actually take a step back and think of, oh, this is an interconnection. This is a relationship. You know, how can there be this mutual reciprocity and shared understanding? And it's so much deeper than a, than a transaction. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. It really is. And I think that connects really well to the third question. <laughs> um, which is, what do I want the other person to know or understand? Ugh, I struggle with this one. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh man, because it really is like what I was saying um, when we were talking about intentions, you know, we can often show up to a conversation with like an ag a mental agenda of like all the things we want to tell the other person and like be ready to rattle it all off. You know, like I have this issue and I have this idea and this is how we're going to get it done. What do you think? And like all these bases that we want to cover. And it's almost like we can get lost in that and not even like take into account 
what the other person might be hearing and whether or not what that other person is hearing is what we want them to hear and understand. And so, um, you know, really asking yourself before entering into a, a tough conversation, what is it that I want the other person to know or understand really like f takes all the, the important and valid things floating around in your head and reframes it into how can I convey a message that the other person will receive so that we can get further in you know, mostly at this point, you know, me meeting my needs because we don't know yet the other person's needs because mm -hmm. they haven't articulated it yet. And all of that fueled by by the intention of how we show up in that conversation. And so um, rather than I think focusing on all the bases you want to cover, try to imagine, you know, what is the message that I want the other person to hear? And I think all the rest will come, you know, it'll, because your mind will start to think, how can I convey this, this message that I want the other person to hear? And, um, oh, interesting, it actually touches on, you know, it points A, B, and C, and D that I was going to cover anyhow. So often we can, oftentimes we can be more clear and um, connect better when we think about what it is that we want the other person to hear rather than what it is we want to say. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, like when I'm, when I'm able to like take that space in my mind and my heart and like really think about what I want the other person to hear, I actually feel less nervous because the pressure is not as much on me and like my performance of what I say, but more so like I'm, I'm paying more attention to the other person and what they hear. And in a way it's like nurturing them rather than myself performing. Absolutely. I, I love how you've framed it this way as, as, uh, what you want the other person to hear because that really highlights the sort of um, interconnection or the mutuality of the relationship and to really take in that step of empathy and, and kind of feeling into how is this person going to receive it. Um, but it's also, it just also this question I think really gets to the essence of this iteration of the process of really taking this time to contemplate what it is that we want this person to hear like what is it that we want them to understand or to know. Because if we all too often, and again, myself included, we enter these <laughs> conversations and we blah, 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 blah. We say all this chatter <laughs> and we don't even really say what we want to say because we haven't really thought about it and we don't even know ourselves. So that's what I love about um, the compassionate communication and particularly the mindfulness dimension to it or this contemplation of like this time to do the introspective work of really taking that time to really actually think about it, um, I think is really important. And to also think of it, not only like you say, not only about us, like us as an individual, like what do I want, but really how, how is the other person going to receive it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I like how you just distilled that. And I've had a very vivid image in my head of like the chatter that I think will probably come up <laughs> for the next hard conversation I prepare for. And like <laughs> the chatter be the thing that I want to avoid and instead have the connection be the focus. Right. So right. I really... Yeah, we never know what this person's going to glam on to. And so if we just say all this other stuff, they might actually really miss what is the essence. And so I think... It's also taking that um, that time in our conversations too to, to kind of really pause and, and sometimes say less and just say what what matters. Really. Uh -huh. Yeah. So. <sighs> 
by now. <laughs> it's like, oh, four questions, but you know, they're each carries its own work, but I think each carries its own power. So I hope that's what um, you listeners are sitting with right now is Erin and I take a breath <laughs> before we dive into our last questions. Yeah. And also I just wanted to recognize too, and to highlight that, like, you know, I can at least speak for myself that this is a, this is a practice and I see it as a lifelong practice. I certainly have not perfected it. And I've been introduced to non this, you know, NBC for probably like six or seven years now. And I still have really mucked up some really, you know, tough conversations, <laughs> even this last weekend, you know, so, but it's just, it's this, this, you know, this try just to keep trying and keep revisiting it and keep practicing. Um, and I also wanted to highlight to you this level of, um, of vulnerability that some of us might feel very uncomfortable in particular relationships and particularly relationships that might be charged, um, you know, in the workplace or in our farm businesses or with family businesses or even just interpersonal relationships with our family and that we have to recognize too when we feel safe to have these hard conversations in this way and to allow ourselves to be vulnerable, um, to share our emotions or share our feelings or to speak our truth of what matters. And so we all have to just realize that this is a process and um, yeah. It's a process and a lifelong practice. And I'm there, right there with you, you know, I'm in reading these questions and thinking about them. Like, I think I got into a, a slight tiff with my partner shortly after because like, we're hardwired, hard I think, evolutionarily to be on our defense. Like, we, we almost assume attack. And so I think it's a beautiful challenge to um, assume vulnerability. Woo! Just, yeah, like, even hard just saying that. <laughs> yeah, we we absolutely come with this sort of negativity negativity bias in our in our brain, and so we all often are are going to um, remember those negative things that the person said. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, or in or or not even what they said, but we're going to interpret it through that lens or filter. So. Oh, I know. Yeah, that, that <laughs> liminal thinking stuff. That's like a whole nother episode. Absolutely. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, well, I think this leads in really well to the last question. Um, how can I say it in a way they're most likely to be able to hear? Yeah, and I think this really is an extension to a lot of what you were saying, Eva, of um, the way you framed the, the previous question is of how, um, what do I want the other person to hear? So how can I say it in a way they're most likely to be able to hear it? And that's really um, taking into consideration this, um, the other person's perspective um, and what they bring uh, to the relationship and to the conversation, um, which could include, you know, history or past situations. Um, or just their own life circumstances. Um, but really this question gets to sort of the, the empathy piece. Um, so how can we step into their shoes um, and really see the situation through their eyes? Um, even what might they be feeling? Um, what might be their core needs that are at issue? Um, and so uh, one approach to, to this question for me that is really helpful um, is to begin by making neutral observations. And this is really the first um, part of the, the NBC, there are four steps of the, of the compassionate communication framework. And the first is uh, stating observations. And these observations are, are neutral. So they're not gonna carry our 
interpretation or our um, judgment um, or blame. So how do we how do we how do we have make it a, a statement without blame or judgment. Um, and one way to gauge this um, that I really like is to think of it as how how can it, a neutral observation is something that a film can capture. Mm. So uh, a film cannot capture the statement of you are always late. <laughs> you never arrive on time. <laughs> You are very rude. <laughs> no, these are these are like judgments, right? And they're, I mean, I'm overstating them, but like, like a film captures, um, you know, things like I noticed the last two days you arrived ten minutes late. Like, you know, you could observe this in the film, or I noticed you walked by without saying hello, or you know, these these very neutral observations or facts that that occurred, and they they tend to to when we can say things this way in a more neutral way. Um, they tend to make it so the person doesn't get defensive and doesn't close down. Once someone gets defensive or closed down, they're not gonna listen, they're not gonna hear. So, so if we're getting at this question of how can we say it that they're most likely able to hear it, it has to be neutral <laughs> and without historical baggage. And that's really, that can be really challenging. So, <laughs> um, and another way um, that I find really helpful um, that is presented in the compassionate communication um, framework and guidance is um, to use the personal pronoun um, of I. Um, and so it kind of helps to helps to alleviate this interpretation of blame. So um, you can say like, I feel annoyed um, because I need or value more structure or you, know, you say I feel I need versus um, versus, you know, you did this and that annoys me or, you know, so we kind of start with the, the I and take ownership and take ownership and yeah. responsibility yeah absolutely i really like that tool of and the imagery of like can a film capture this because <laughs> there's i'm thinking like there's a few things i probably said this morning that a film could not capture <laughs> and so it's a really nice tool if um you know we practice it so we can more easy or more readily bring it up like oh yeah this person has arrived 10 minutes late two days in a row rather than you know you're always late because that's a film can't like you said can't capture that and so um avoiding those pressure points that's or pain points that's how i often think of it um mm -hmm. especially in email like like i was saying you know when writing to a landlord or to a business partner or even a customer a farm customer like what might i say this is what I usually do. What might I say that might trigger them? And like, how do I not say that? Absolutely. That's another, and I think another way to go about it um, to identify what could be bad and then avoid it. But I also love like, ooh, but what am I noticing? What am I feeling? Um, because yeah, we are defensive, defensive creatures and <laughs> we will hear what we wanna hear. And so um, asking the question, how can I say it in a way they're most likely to be able to hear, like you were saying, there's a better chance that that message will actually be heard. Um, yeah. Well, I also just wanted to note um, that these actual questions uh, are, we, we actually found these, um, on the website of Orin J. Sofer. And 
I have actually been deeply inspired by Oren J. Sofer's book, Say What You Mean and Mean What You Say. Um, it's a book on compassionate uh, communication, and he basically integrates the techniques of compassionate communication and mindfulness techniques. And uh, I find it very, he provides a lot of useful practices and insights in there um, to help through this process uh, and practice. Uh, so for anyone who feels uh, inspired by this conversation or wants to dive into it deep, deeper, I highly recommend his book. Um, I also recommend taking a look at his website because he has lots of great resources there. And, and that's what inspired our conversation uh, today because he presented these, these four questions. Mm -hmm. so. Cool, thanks for that. Um plug for Oren's work, Erin, and I'll actually put a link into the show notes for Oren's um, book as well as his website and the link to, um, yeah, the, the blog where, where these four questions are featured as well as like many tools. I was just looking at one article that was like how to stop arguing in your relationship. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, there's, I mean, there's lots of tools applicable across the board. Um, and so to wrap up here, I think, um, Maybe just going through the four questions again, what they are. So if you have a pen and paper and you can jot them down. Um, the first one is, what is my intention? The second is, what needs am I trying to meet? The third, what do I want the other person to know or understand? And the final, the fourth, how can I say it in a way they're most likely to be able to hear? So we encourage you to try this process out, uh, going through each of these four questions before a tough conversation, whether it's with your landlord, a business partner, an employee, um, or a customer, or anyone else in the course of your farm business, or even in your personal life. Um, more practice, more better. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd love to hear from you how it goes. So feel free to drop us a line at info at farmcommons.org. Um, and stay tuned because Erin and I will be recording more of these episodes, which means we get to talk about more uh, compassionate communication tools. And we're, we're planning to do this um, in the weeks and months to come ahead. And so blessings as you engage in these conversations. I know winter is especially a time of planning and business management and probably lots of meetings, um, hopefully some over the phone and not all on Zoom. I think we're all getting a little bit of Zoom burnout. <laughs> but um Thanks. Thanks so much, Erin, for bringing your wisdom and your years of uh, practice with NVC and just really this whole model. Um, it's, it's influenced so much our work at Farm Commons and uh, even just this conversation is setting the tone for my day ahead. I'm like ready to deeply listen and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how long I can, I can keep that mindset. Yeah, and thank you to Eva for this conversation. It's inspiring as always uh, to talk with you. So thank you for your insights. Awesome. Till next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Farm Commons podcast. For more information on what you just heard, as well as a variety of farm law guides, models, checklists, flowcharts, and more, visit our website at farmcommons.org. You can also email us at info at farmcommons.org if you have any questions or comments about this podcast or any of our online materials. Thanks everyone for listening and keep on growing.